Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey everybody, today's show is brought to you by hotels.com, the world's leading online accommodation site. Now, I travel a fair bit, and every time I go away, I make sure to book through Hotels.com because they provide the best prices for hotels, vacations, Airbnbs, resorts, etc., etc., etc. You want a seaside apartment in my hometown in North Vancouver? You want a beautiful rental property in surf-friendly Costa Rica? Or perhaps you want to travel to Quebec City to visit the Plains of Abraham, or maybe even a trip to Normandy to see Juneau Beach. Whatever it is, this website will find you the best place quickly and with the best possible price. What I love about the website is that they have a price guarantee. If you find a lower price elsewhere, they will match it. Plus, their mobile app is super easy to use, which helps immensely when I'm on the move. So for the listeners of Cool Canadian History, Hotels.com is offering $30 off select hotel stays of $250 or more. Go to usehotels.com slash coolcanadianhistory and punch in the code LISTEN30 when you make your purchase. So that's usehotels.com slash coolcanadianhistory and punch in the code LISTEN30, L-I-S-T-E-N 30, when you make your purchase. There's really no point in booking elsewhere as Hotels.com has everything you need. Travel easy today and book Hotels.com. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today... Season 4, Episode 11, Thérèse Casgrain, Quebec's Coolest Feminist. Thérèse Casgrain is one of the greatest activists in this country's history and was a pioneer in the 20th century women's rights movement whose accomplishments reverberated both within Quebec and throughout the nation. This week's book recommendation is Therese Casgrain's own book, A Woman in a Man's World, detailing her activist struggle in her own words. This is an insightful and thoughtful look at this epic woman. It was published by McClellan and Stewart in 1972. Okay, so Therese Casgrain was born on the 10th of July, 1896, in Montreal, Quebec. Her mother, was Lady Blanche MacDonald of the Montreal MacDonald family, and her father was Colonel Sir Rodolphe Forget, 
one of the few French-Canadian merchant magnates in the province, and who was one of the wealthiest people in all of the city of Montreal. Therese's father was also an MP for the Conservative Party for 13 years in the riding of Charlevoix. Now, this is a riding that will later be represented by Therese, and eventually none other than Brian Mulrooney. Now, Therese's family was both wealthy and politically active. This meant that Therese was surrounded by a materially comfortable yet engaged environment, and thus it was no surprise that she took an early interest in all things political, especially the social reform movement of the late 19th century. Interestingly, her father was an arch-traditionalist when it came to Therese and to women's roles in general. He believed that Therese's place was in the domestic sphere, the home, the kitchen, and the public sphere was where men operated alone. But Therese resisted these efforts to domesticate her. As one of her biographers wrote, she objected to the ceaseless round of entertainment and frivolity that she observed among her social peers, and she also measured her distance from the Catholic Church. She was, she claimed, less obedient than other women in the early feminist movement. Now, despite her early onset of challenging the status quo, she still married uh, in 1915, in fact, to Pierre-Francois Casgrain. Casgrain, much to her father's dismay, was a liberal party organizer. In a rather bizarre twist of fate, Pierre actually won the Charlevoix riding for the Liberal Party in 1917, the same year Therese's father died. Now, at this point, it seemed like Therese was destined for a life of supporting her politically active husband. Yet, Pierre's health began to fail him. In 1921, when he was running for re-election, he became very ill and was actually unable to speak. And in his place step Therese. Everyone around her quickly realized that Therese had a natural gift for public talking and an astute mind when it came to the politics of the day. Her husband was re-elected that year, aided greatly by Therese's speeches, and he would go on to become the Speaker of the House of Commons and even the Secretary of State for Canada in 1940. Thus, with a politically successful father and a politically successful husband, one would think Therese would be dwarfed by their accomplishments. But Therese would outshine them both. Her major focus was on the rights of women. Living in Quebec, she lived in one of the most socially backwards regions in the country when it came to women's rights. Her first major campaign, for instance, was for women's suffrage, women getting the vote. You see, in 1918, white women above the age of 21, had received the right to vote in federal elections, as well as in most provinces except Quebec. Therese made this point her first major battleground. In 1921, she founded the Provincial Franchise Committee, a bilingual organization dedicated to getting the vote for women in Quebec. Her work in this organization soon brought her to the attention of the larger and more influential League for Women's Rights. In 1928, Therese successfully ran for the leadership of the League and would remain its leader up until the Second World War. 
Now, as head of the League for Women's Rights, Therese expanded her social reform platform to a more broad-based women's rights movement within the province. The League and Therese at its head would quickly find themselves battling against the province's influential traditionalists, including key members of the political elite, and most importantly, the Catholic Church. Though the League was influential and growing in size, it struggled to attract support from rural Francophone women. In order to reach this demographic, Therese began her own radio program called Femina. This was a weekly show that engaged with other prominent French-speaking feminists on key issues for women during that time. This platform, in fact, became quite successful in spreading the message, particularly about the right for women to vote. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Therese would finally see some substantial results in her struggle for women's rights when, in 1940, the province of Quebec granted women the right to vote in provincial elections. She was not done there. In 1942, Cas gave up the leadership of the League for Women's Rights to run as an independent in the federal election for the Charlevoix riding, the very same riding her father and husband had both previously held. She campaigned on continued social reform and as a voice against conscription. Uh, a position that Prime Minister Mackenzie King's Liberal Party now supported, thus the reason why Casgrain was campaigning as an independent and not as a liberal. Casgrain won that election, so she won that election as an independent. Now, during the war, Casgrain was in fact appointed to a very important position with the Wartime Prices and Trade Board. This was an extremely powerful government body that controlled a vast section of Canada's day-to-day wartime economy. So from the price of rent, to the rationing of meat, to the cost of gasoline. It was Casgrain, in fact, who helped run the consumer branch of this board, which made sure that the prices of goods did not inflate at such a pace as to outstrip wages in the country. This was a serious problem back in the First World War, and it was up to Casgrain and the rest of the board to make sure it did not happen again. In 1946, Therese Casgrain shocked most of her contemporaries when she joined the socialist-based Co-op Commonwealth Federation, the CCF, which is in fact the predecessor to the modern-day NDP. Now, one can imagine what this must have looked like to Casgrain's peers. Here was a wealthy, upper-class Quebec woman, already with political success, joining a socialist-inspired party based out of Western Canada. You see, Casgrain had become disillusioned with the Liberal Party's platform on women's rights and saw in the CCF a far more progressive platform in terms of gender equality and in its leader, J.S. Woodsworth. In 1948, she became the federal vice president of the party and up until 1957 was the leader of the CCF's Quebec wing. In fact, 
the Quebec wing was technically its own party. It was actually called the Parti Social-Democratique de Quebec, the PSD. So that means that Casgrain was in fact the first female leader of any political party in Canadian history. Now before we continue, I just want to give you all a reminder. You can find us on all your podcast listening devices, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and of course at our homepage, coolcanadianhistory.com. If you go to our Facebook page, or if you go to our home website, you will see links to PayPal or Patreon. Both of these links provide safe and secure and easy ways to donate to the podcast. We survive heavily on your donations, and every dollar is extremely important in allowing us to continue to bring you this history program. So with PayPal, you can actually click on the link and just make a one-time donation, or you can set up a, a situation where you do a monthly donation. With Patreon, you can actually set it up so that you donate every time we issue a podcast. So you could, for instance, put buck or two bucks down, and every time we issue a new episode, that goes to the donation pile. As well, on our Facebook page and on iTunes, you can leave us a rating and a comment. We love to hear from you, so please don't be shy, and please tell your friends, and thank you for continuing to listen. Now back to the program. Therese Casgrain would face intense resistance from the more conservative and traditionalist elements from within Quebec society. The Catholic Church in particular attacked Casgrain, the CCF, and the PSD, calling it a godless communist political movement. They also chastised Casgrain as someone who was defying the accepted traditional roles of women in Quebec. Though Casgrain would continue to run in federal elections in her Charlevoix riding, her association with the PSD and the CCF hurt her chances at success. She ran unsuccessfully in 1952, 53, 57, and 58. As she put it herself, and I quote, As a woman and the leader of a party of the left to boot, I had no chance of success. However, I achieved my goal, which was above all, to make the CCF philosophy more widely known and to obtain publicity for the party. End quote. Now, during the 1950s, Casgrain pitted herself in an epic political battle against the arch conservative Premier Maurice Duplessis. Duplessis' reign in Quebec has often been referred to as the Great darkness, a period of traditionalism and conservatism that saw Quebec fall behind the other provinces economically and socially speaking. Duplessis, for instance, was strongly against the female provincial vote and was extremely heavy-handed against Quebec's unions. The 1960s would, of course, prove to be a dramatic period for Quebec. Duplessis died in 1959, and this ushered in a period of rapid social and economic change known as the Quiet Revolution. All throughout the Western world, youth movements and social organizations began to challenge the status quo, and the same was within Quebec. At the same time, you had superpowers, the U.S. and the USSR, building up their nuclear arsenals to the point of mutually assured destruction. Casgrain was in the middle of it all. This was perhaps her most prolific period of social activism. 
She continued to run unsuccessfully in her Charlevoix riding for the newly renamed New Democratic Party. She helped found the Quebec Wing of the Voice of Women, which was an international movement of women dedicated to world peace. While with this group, Casgrain was in fact arrested in Paris, marching against nuclear proliferation. She also served as the president of the League of Human Rights. She served as president for the Quebec Medical Aid to Vietnam Committee, though she was openly against U.S. intervention in that country. She was the president to the French section of the Adult Education Association. In 1967, she established the Fédération des Femmes du Québec, which was an umbrella organization that sought to coordinate and unite the various women's organizations throughout the province. Simply put, Therese was busy. In 1970, Pierre Trudeau asked her to sit in Senate, a position she accepted. Though nine months later, she reached the mandatory retirement age of 75 and thus was forced to step down. And in true Therese Casgrain style, she thus began campaigning against policies of mandatory retirement in the workplace. Her contributions to Canadian society did not go unnoticed. In 1967, she was awarded the Woman of the Century for Quebec by the National Council of Jewish Women. That same year, she was made an officer of the Order of the British Empire. In 1971, the Pierre Trudeau administration honored her by creating the Therese Casgrain Volunteer Award. This was to honor Canadian citizens who have devoted their lives to volunteering. In 1974, she was made a Companion of the Order of Canada. She also received an honorary Doctor of Law degree from 12 different universities. Therese Casgrain passed away in 1981 at the age of 85 years old. Her life and work was simply remarkable. She was truly one of Canada's greatest social activists. She fought tirelessly and almost superhumanly for a number of causes and led a number of organizations constantly challenging what she saw as inequality and indifference for the plight of a variety of groups in Canadian society. A seemingly endless source of energy and bravery, one of her longtime colleagues wrote, and I quote, Those who know that continuous reform is essential and possible in our parliamentary system will recognize that Therese Casgrain has made a great personal contribution to Canadian democracy, end quote. In many ways, Casgrain embodied the greatest features of living in a democratic society and used her positions of affluence and influence to help make the country better for all. A Canadian hero, if there ever was one. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, and at our homepage, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. And I want to thank you all for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Until next time, stay cool. Stay cool.